Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gift of Choice. Hosted by entrepreneurial coach and holistic nurse practitioner, Bonnie Gressel. Bonnie and her guests offer information and motivation each week to help you live your dream and attain the health, happiness, and abundance you deserve. Now, here's the host of The Gift of Choice, Bonnie Gressel. Well, welcome, everyone. This is Bonnie Gressel, your host here at The Gift of Choice show here on Blog Talk Radio, and iTunes. I want to tell you how much I appreciate all of you taking time out of your busy day to spend a little bit of time here with us at the show. I so do appreciate that. You know, our goal is to provide great content so that you feel that this time was well spent. And we have another great guest today. Oh, I'm so excited to have Diedrich or Deed Stowe with us, who is the author of A Caretaker's Journey from Heartbreak to Hope. So I'll introduce Deet Stroll in a little bit, maybe after our first break. I have just a couple of of quick things to share with you. And, of course, we'll do our one-minute meditation um, before we start the show. So as a reminder, I'd like you all to know that you can listen to past episodes right here on Blog Talk Radio and on iTunes. And we stream the last episode of every show to Speak Up Talk Radio. Now, they're always on for you, so they stream 24-7. You can listen at 3 in the morning if you'd like to. And to be a part of this community, you can just click follow on the show page if you're here on Blog Talk Radio. It's kind of up near the top. Or click on subscribe if you're listening on iTunes. They both do the same thing. They just use different words. And I'm going to be expanding the show to other networks as well, so stay tuned for that. I will be sure to keep you in the loop as that progresses. And I always want to remind you that the Gift of Choice show is educational, inspirational, and motivational in nature. But I want you to take what fits for you today and let go of the rest. The Gift of Choice show does not intend or imply to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment either. I always want to sort of preface every show with that little reminder. Now, if anybody wants to call in today, let me give you the call-in number. That is 714-816-4716. And I also have the chat room open again today. So if you are you know, so inclined to send a message, if you want a question, or, or maybe you even just want to say hi, please join us in the chat room as well. Now, as with every show I have done for the past, oh gosh, I don't know, year or so, we've taken time to just, you know, to just pause and pay attention to our breathing because we have to breathe anyway, right? But we so seldom pay attention to to that simple act of breathing. So just for a moment, if you're able, if you're in a place where you can join me, you know, maybe driving on the freeway is not the best idea, but if you're not, and you can sort of take a moment to just relax, maybe close your eyes if you can, and I want you to all breathe with me, breathing in through the nose if you can, And then as you let that exhale go, let it go a really long time, letting go everything that you don't need right now. Breathing in. There's nothing else that you need to do right now. Just breathe. Breathing in. And out. Without trying to push it or pull it, just let it be as it is. Just breathe. That's all. Paying attention to how the air feels coming in through your nostrils, banding your abdomen, 
And then as you let everything go, everything collapses again. There's nothing else that you need to do right now. Just breathe. Breathing in. And out. Breathing in. And breathing out. Letting go of everything else that you don't need right now. Now as we get into our show for today, I want you to take one more big breath in. And then just let it all go. Let everything out. That bigger breath at the end gives your body a signal that although I want you to hang on to that relaxed, centered, grounded feeling, that it's time to come back to the here and now and listen to the wonderful show that we have in store for you today. You know, I don't know about you, but I always feel much better after we take just that moment. And that's all we do is like 60 seconds and everybody's got a minute here or there to just stop. You know, there's all kinds of stuff going on, and life is busy, and all the mind chatter, and you'll have thoughts come in as you're just paying attention to your breath, and that's okay. That's normal. But just taking time to really focus on your breathing. Eventually, I mean, if you do that enough, it sort of creates a habit that that all that other stuff in your mind, that mind chatter, sort of falls away because you're paying attention so intently to your breathing, to something else. So that's why I always like to include that just that little minute in our show because we don't take time to do that. So on this show, I like to give you permission <laughs> to do that so that you can take that moment for yourself. You know, as I was thinking about our guest in the show today, it was a really good reminder to me about all the detours and challenges that we have in our lives and how as we cultivate our self-empowerment muscle, if you will, we need to remember to take care of ourselves, especially when we're caring for others. You know, at some time in our lives, we will probably all be a caregiver, if we haven't been already, you know, for young children or aging parents or a loved one with a terminal illness, like our guest, Deed Stroh, is going to talk with us about today. Caring for others can be consuming, all-consuming, between the stress and especially if you're caring for someone with a terminal illness, the emotional toll it takes on us the sadness, the wanting to make it better for them. To It hurts to see other people struggle or suffer or be in pain. I can only imagine how hard that must be. And then there's the actual things that we need to do. I mean, you know, like making meals and, and, and going to doctor's appointments if, if you're caring for someone with an illness. All that stuff has such a drain on our energy that it leaves us exhausted and tired. The caregiver needs to, needs kind of needs a caregiver for themselves in a way too, right? Someone who understands, someone to talk to, to lean on for support so that they know they're not alone. It, it's hard for both the person being cared for and the caregiver to remember that they're not alone. You know, especially for people dealing with a terminal illness and their caregiver. It can be very isolating. It's a lonely place. You know, people don't really know what to say, so they don't say anything at all. They stay away. Or they use distraction by talking about something else. But what's happening is real. And sometimes, you know, caregivers need to talk. They need to cry. They need a shoulder. I would imagine it would be easy just to get wrapped up in caring for your loved one that you forget to eat or maybe you don't even have an appetite or you don't sleep well. You don't do the regular things, the normal things, you know, like you used to do, like exercise or laugh or or, or go out or social things. It's important to do some normal things as much as you can, 
even though this is a very abnormal time. We all need to take care of ourselves if we want to be be there to take care of other people, especially if it's a really demanding time, like caring for your loved one, whether they're ill or whether they have dementia or, or whatever it is. We're going to hear about how our guest and his wife at the time made it through her last months of her life here on Earth. So when we come back from the break, I'm going to introduce Deet Stroh, the officer of A Caregiver's Journey from Heartbreak to Hope. He's going to be joining us when we come back. So I'm Bonnie Gressel at The Gift of Choice, and in a moment we'll be right back with our guest. Do you struggle to relax, sleep well, or even lose weight? Now you can access the powerful energy of the mind-body connection with the ultimate health and wellness gift set, a four-CD collection of guided meditations from holistic nurse practitioner Bonnie Gressel. You can use the recordings yourself or split the individually wrapped CDs into gifts for family and friends. To get the ultimate health and wellness gift set, go to BonnieGressel.com and click the Products tab. That's B-O-N-N-I-E-G-R-O-E-S-S-L dot com. Well, welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Bonnie Gressel, here at The Gift of Choice. And I would love to introduce our guest for today. Diedrich, or Diet Stroh, is an engineer by trade. He founded the Stuber Stowe Associates firm, a civil engineering firm, that grew into CSW, Stubu Schroll Engineering Group in Nevada, California, and has offices in Sonoma County as well as Sacramento. He is the director of the Golden Gate Bridge Highway and Transportation District, and he sits on the board of directors at the Bank of Marin. He's active in his community, and he has sat on many statewide and national boards. He's a busy guy. But, but Dietz's life came apart after learning that his wife had pancreatic cancer. The stage four diagnosis took him on a roller coaster of his life. Overnight, this successful businessman became a caregiver, powerless over the course of his wife's illness. He had to face internal weaknesses and external obstacles in order to take care of her, and when the time came, lovingly let her go. He's here today to talk about his book, Three Months, A Caregiver's Journey from Heartbreak to Hope. Welcome to the show, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy life to share. Thank you for uh, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's always a joy to talk to somebody in the United States that uh, across the country, and I've done it often. But uh, thank you. Oh yeah, you're you're welcome. And and you know, so a little bit about your 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 history and your past and all the things that you're doing, but there's always more to the story than the bio, right? Would you share with our listeners a little bit a little bit more about your background, your journey, maybe what you're doing now? Well, I, um, as you mentioned, I'm a, a civil engineer here in the state of California, and we have an engineering firm in the in the North Bay area of San Francisco. And I've uh, been involved in the professionally in the engineering for the last 50-some years, and uh, uh, totally enjoy it. I have a lot of different hobbies. That's what kind of keeps me going. Uh, a lot of woodworking. I do a lot of woodworking, gardening, and all kinds of stuff, traveling. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great life, you know, and, and I think you have to have a lot of different activities to keep the mind going and the body going and all the rest. I'm going to be 79 in um, October, and uh, I live, I feel good, so it's a good life, and uh, I've had, uh, if someone asked me one time, what would you do, what would you do differently if you wanted to do your life all over again, I, I told them, I said, nothing, I'm happy with what I did, so yeah. it's good. Now, I'm just curious, uh, Deed, when is your birthday in October? I'm sorry? Well, what day is your birthday in October? October twenty second. Ah, mine is the sixteenth, and so I said, "Well, that's why I was wondering." <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, I'm a half Libra and a half Scorpio. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm I'm pretty much all Libra, so <laughs> I'm oh, always concerned go. about okay. the balance, you know, and all of that. There you so, go. You know, but... so 
you know, your wife has been gone for, you know, a few years now, and I'm sure it probably in some respects seems like it was yesterday, and sometimes it seems a long time ago. Well, you know, you, it, it, it's interesting. Someone asked me that the other day, you know, how are you feeling these days and about what happened and with Margaret? And and uh, I, I think of her every day, uh, even though I'm remarried, yeah. what have you, but the love is still there, the the memories. Uh, we were married 23 years, and a uh, wonderful, wonderful time with her. Uh, she's a wonderful woman, uh, very intelligent, very sharp person, uh, well-educated, and we did a lot of stuff together, a lot of traveling, and uh, it was a total shock when when, uh, when all this all this thing happened, and it happened so fast. But uh, uh, <laughs> what's, what's, there were no no indications of that she had pancreatic cancer, and you, you don't there are symptoms. There are no symptoms until things get so bad that, uh, in her case, she started blo- bloating, and uh, her belly got mm-hmm. extended and. Due to fluid and what have you, and obviously start going to the doctor, and this all transpired in the end of November and December of '08, uh, and uh, just two days or three days before Christmas, we were told that uh, through via CAT scan that she had tumors on her uh, pancreas, uh, on her liver, on her large uh, intestine, uh, parts of her urinary system. In other words, it had metastasized and. Uh, uh, we knew fully well at that point in time, even though we didn't know exactly what we had, that this was not good. Mm-hmm. And so it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a thunderbolt and boom. And she was a very active person. What was interesting about her is that she not only ate well, she always was giving me a bad time to eat better, lots of veggies mm-hmm. and fruit and all this, and we did. Um, <clears throat> she exercised, she uh did everything in moderation. She didn't smoke. She maybe had a glass of wine at night. And that was about it. And then, boom, there she gets this stuff. And why, no one really knows. And uh, uh, although cancer runs in her family, but it's on breast cancer. But anyway, uh, it happened. And um, it happened so fast that uh, you're learning as you go. Yeah. Oh gosh. You know, I, I read your book, Dave, and it and it's a fabulous read. It's and and you're right. It's it's a quick read. It doesn't take a real long time to read it, but it's packed with really, you know, your journey, the things you learn, some tips for caregivers. You know, and I and I think, you know, would you share the story a little bit about, you know, how you came to write this book? Because I think that's really, I think that's a really good piece to share with people. Well, that's a good question. Uh, actually, I didn't start to write the book. I, what I was doing at night after Margaret died, I, <clears throat> here by myself, I, I started writing notes or making notes of what happened and all what what what, what went on, all the way from uh, the humor that came out. Uh, talked, I read, I talked about the cats. I talked about the sickness itself. I talked about uh, all kinds of different things and. I didn't talk about it. I wrote it down. And during the day, the following day, I would have my administrative assistant type it up. And uh, uh, between the two of us, we both were crying. But it, was, it gave me an opportunity to re- relieve the pain and the suffering and the, the uh, emptiness, the hurt. Uh, it was a good grieving process. So about three-quarters of the way through that, after about three or four months of that, I said to myself, I wonder I wonder if, what, if I put this all into a book form that maybe other people would would read it and get some get something out of it that might help them through uh, the process uh, that you do and it is a process the whole dying and grieving it's it's a process and and uh, so I, I got together with a good friend of mine who who happens to be a writer and we started collaborating on it and this is how we came up with uh, this book uh, three months and but as I say I didn't start to write a book that's that just was came out of the whole thing had a tremendous response with it. Uh, I think one of the most interesting questions that's always asked me, what's it like for like a man to write a book like this? Normally the caregivers are women, and and I, I didn't know, I had no answer to that other than being an engineer, and it was the most logic thing in the world to do. So, But it was that's how I got started. That's how it that came about to write the thing. Yeah, and, and you also have... 
um, a, a handout, a PDF for other people who, you know, they just have sort of 13 tips for caregivers. And, and just so that you know, I, I have that for all of you listening, I have that link to to get that um, on the show page. So you can just click on that and go right there. You can also get Deet's book on Amazon, and that link is in the show page as well. So um, it's it's a fabulous read. And, and you know what? I, I find Deet with many authors um, who write a book kind of, you know, like this or, or a, a heartfelt book is that it's a very cathartic process for them to get that that stuff out, to write the book. Yeah. You know, that's it. that's true. I've, re- I've read a lot of books about this whole issue up by people that have gone through it or survived or whatever it may be, and they're all kind of the same. This has become a kind of a, somewhat of a primer for caregivers because there is a lot of... Uh, a lot of information in there on how to handle certain issues and take care of stuff. But also, there's the human part, obviously. And, and uh, I didn't write the book to, for as a sad commentary. It's a book about reality of what it's like to watch a person die and and, mm-hmm. and, and what they went through and what I went through. And, and there's a humor in it. There's, there's sadness. There's just all kinds of different emotions that, that come out, and they do. Uh, and you have to go through all those. You have to let that all that out, or else you're going to suffer more than you want to. Right, right. Well, now being an engineer, I think, and maybe I don't mean to be stereotypical here, but an engineer, people who are engineers, whether they're men or women, um, want to fix things, kind of. <laughs> so, how did you deal with that when you know when you first got the diagnosis, when you're in the hospital the first few times with Margaret, and, and that you couldn't fix things? How was that for you? <laughs> that's 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 right, right. Uh, that's exactly the frustration. Uh, there's no way you can fix things, and you always think that you can and create something that'll that'll make it happen. And there's a there's a word that, that that pops out constantly, and that's that never goes away. Never goes away, and that's hope. H O B hope, yeah. and you're always thinking, okay, somehow or another she'll get better, even though logically, you know, that's not going to happen. But you always think that way, and I can recall very vividly the day that she died. Uh, I was uh, the mortician came by to pick her up, and and uh, I was sitting in the backyard with but my two uh, partners and sitting between them, and all I could say to them was, well, "Now what do I do? Now what do I do?" Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you still that hope is gone. You won't see them anymore. You won't talk to them anymore. Um, uh, that type of stuff, and. And it's real. It's totally, totally real. But the good news is, the good news is time heals. Time heals. And it just takes, finally you get through it down at the end. And, and everybody does it differently. Everybody agrees differently. And it takes some, some people a lot less time, other people a lot longer time. And that's mm-hmm. the other piece of it is, is what I found that reaching out, you mentioned this in your show, reaching out to... Uh, others and people around you, and there's nothing wrong with hugging somebody. I became a street hugger, so to speak. I would walk up <laughs> to total strangers and hug them, and they look at me like I was nutted in a fruitcake. But I, uh, I mean, I didn't do that all the time, but every so mm-hmm. often, and, and especially around family, especially around my employees. I think one of the greatest things that ever occurred in this whole thing was one of my woman engineers who doesn't talk much came into my office and asked me to kind of stand up. She walked over and she just hugged me and walked back out. Mm-hmm. That's all she needed to do. I knew what she was doing. She knew what she was doing. And, you know, that's that's the, the other neat thing about it. There's nothing wrong with humor. There's nothing wrong having a good laugh, a good joke or whatever. And Margaret and I had them when she was dying. There were a lot of funny things that went on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think humor is good medicine. Whether it, you know, prolongs your life or not is really not the question. But it's the, you know, whatever your situation is, what it is. But it's the whole the suffering and all that. That part is optional. And I think you're right. I think humor and things like that can really provide that that yes. quality. Yes, yes, it, it really does. And. Um... I, 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 one of the funniest things, and I'm going to say this all over the radio, <clears throat> one of the funniest things that occurred actually two days before she passed away, 
she was in in bed and and uh, a, a lady that we had helping us here and my stepdaughter they were kind of new, uh, Margaret was in bed and she was nude and they were sponging her down kind of giving her kind of a bath in the bed so to speak and I wandered into the bedroom and stood at the end of the bed and uh, she she put her head up Margaret did and looked at me and with a kind of a frown on her face says what are you doing in here you dirty old man I said <laughs> being a dirty old man. And, you know, that type of stuff, I know that may not sound good to a lot of people, but, you know, that's just our relationship that we had, and we knew it, and we knew what we could laugh about between us, and it was a good laugh. Everybody in the room laughed, and she died. You have to keep that that sense of normalcy as much as you can, and humor, I think, is one of the ways to do that. Oh yes, no question. Oh gosh, yes, and that was that's one of the things we did. We <clears throat> we put her in a wheelchair and rolled her into the den here and and uh, put some movies on. And she, she didn't quite know what was going on half the time, but it didn't make any difference. She had a smile on her face, and mm-hmm. she was part of the conversation, even though she didn't talk much. Uh, she was on methadone for three months. It's literally uh, stones half the time, and not most of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and the na- anti-nausea pain, uh, stuff, and so it was. It was. We included her in everything we could do. Is is you know we we didn't go anywhere because she couldn't. But but aside from that, uh, it was we, didn't, it, we we included her in everything. Even even conversations. You know, oh, what do you think, honey? How did you know, how'd you feel about that movie? And she just smile, sit there, and smile. Mm-hmm. So now let's, if you don't mind, take a step back maybe a little bit to like the beginning of the sort of the hospital stuff, the testing and the appointments and all that. How did you handle all the information that was thrown at you in the midst of being in shock? Well, as I said earlier, uh, there was no no, no real symptoms. So we were coming back from Texas where we were always celebrating Thanksgiving with her mother and her family down there. And, and on the plane coming home, she said, you know, I feel full. I feel full. And I was kidding her. I said, oh, you probably just ate too much. I said, no, 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 it's not that. I just I just, uh, I just, feel full. So I said, well, you, when we get home, go, let's go to the doctor. She finally got an appointment. I tried to figure out what it was. And uh, finally, it was decided to do a CAT scan. And at that time, she had, as I say, her abdominal cavity had filled with uh, fluid and this is what the body does in, res- in responding to cancer in, a, in, a, in that particular area it fills with fluid to protect itself mm-hmm. it's just kind of an automatic response so she kind of bloated up but she had to actually be drained a number of times uh, to get rid of that fluid so anyway when we found that out and that was uh, uh, December 22nd uh, about 6 o'clock in the evening and um, the first place, as I said earlier, that we we understood this was this was a terrible thing happening, and so we hugged each other and cried. And, and she said something very interesting at that point. She says, "You know, I'm I'm glad I'm the first one to go, but that was mm-hmm. the last time we ever talked about, or even came close to talking about death. Uh, she knew it, I knew it, and it was just a matter of we didn't know how much time or or what what the process was going to be, because obviously never went through it." So we finally got to the oncologist, and he told us that she might have nine months to 11 months to live with chemo and all this other stuff. And we said, well, okay, that's it. And we're still, both of us saying, well, maybe there might be some way out. Someone could come on through a quick cure this to get over this thing. And it just got worse because what happened mm-hmm. was the cancer had attacked her bowel, and she couldn't eliminate, so they had to do a bypass. and. Boy, I had to learn how to clean that thing and her bypass and all the rest of the stuff. And so you learned fast. Uh, you had no choice. Uh, and uh, it's, yes, it's overwhelming, but you take one one issue at a time. That's what I did. Got to work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, because sometimes it's like when you're hit with something like that, unless you're a medical person anyway, it's like you don't even know the questions to ask. You know, yeah. how did, um, was it, like, helpful either to have, you know, somebody there, like, you know, her daughter, or, or to take notes, or how did you, like, keep that stuff all straight? Did you have maybe good well, health care providers that just helped you? Well, that's one of the suggestions we make in the book is that uh, 
when you do visit the doctor, always have somebody taking notes and making notes, and yeah. and uh, because you you just you're lost in the the maze of of medicine. Right. And, you always there's questions after, especially driving home. Oh, geez, we should have asked this, should have asked that. Mm. And um, we did that. Uh, a lot of times we knew more what was going on than the doctor did at one point in time. It was interesting. We were in the hospital, and she was recovering from getting um, an infection. And uh, she already had the bypass and, and so forth. And, uh, and, and as, as most hospitals, they want you to... to always eliminated, you know, sometime in the morning, you have a bowel movement, all this other stuff. And, mm-hmm. and uh, a doctor walked in, and he asked that question, and I looked at him, I says, I, I pulled the covers back, I said, she, there's no way she did again. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I should have I should have looked at her record. So mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're kind of helping the system in itself, and that's the other neat thing about all of, not neat, that's one of the things you need to know is, is to work with the nurses, the technicians, the doctors uh, don't squawk about everything. Try to find out the best way to approach stuff, and you get more done that way than if you start squawking about stuff. Yeah, you get more with um, what is it? What is that saying? More with sugar than with um, that's right. vinegar, that's or something right. like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You get more. You can catch more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we're going to take another short break, and then when we come back, I want to hear okay. more about your journey and how that whole decision to, to go home was, because okay. I thought that was a really awesome part in, in the book. So we're going to be right sure. back, everyone. I'm Bonnie Russell here at The Gift of Choice with Deep Stroll, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Gift of Choice with your host, Bonnie Gressel. The Gift of Choice is sponsored by MNB Global Solutions providing individualized coaching for entrepreneurs and authors, as well as book editing and publishing services. For more information, go to m&bglobalsolutions.com. Welcome back, everyone, to The Gift of Choice. I'm your host, Bonnie Gressel, and I'm here with Deet Stroh, and we're talking about his book, Three Months, A Caretaker's Journey from Heartbreak, um, which you can find on Amazon, and the link is on the show page for you if you're listening here on Blog Talk Radio. Before the break, we were talking about all sorts of things, great things, how important humor is and and how to handle all the information that's thrown at you when you are first starting that whole medical journey. But there comes a time, and I know that there came a time because in your book I, I read read that about you and, and Margaret's journey, um, it, it wasn't wasn't very long because she was only with us another three months. But at some point, there was a decision to either continue with treatment with chemo or to to just to go home. Can you talk a little bit about that? <clears throat> yeah, it's. Um, I think it, it, when you first talk about all the stuff with doctors, what have you, and then of course the chemo comes up, and this will prolong your life, and so forth and so on, and, and you really believe it. It, it, it. It's something that's real, and in a lot of cases when the, the cancer is a stage one or stage two, uh, that chemo and all this other stuff really starts to work, and it's good stuff. But when it's stage four, it's very rarely, very rarely does anybody survive it. So um, what happened with us was that she went through all the screwiness as far as having to have a surgery to do the bypass for her bowel, and and then uh, she got a staph infection uh, um, from being in the hospital and was thrown back in the hospital. So two months of all of this business uh, uh, was kind of back and forth in the hospital. And so that last last month, I still didn't know how much time she really had, but we're in the hospital and we're talking to the oncologist and asking what's the best approach here. And he said, well, you have a choice of going back to doing chemo and, and, and see what that does. And and, and uh, I looked at Margaret, and I said, simply said to her, I says, you know, what do you want to do? And she looked at me, and she says, what do you, she says, what do you think we should do? And I said, let's go home. And that was mm-hmm. the best month. That was the best month we had. The reason it was was that she was dying, true, but she died on her own terms. She wasn't, mm-hmm. she, was, she was medicated because of the pain and the, 
and the nausea. But uh, uh, other than that, and that we could that we could regulate, and, and she felt comfortable. And as I said before, we could watch movies and do all this stuff together. And I'd push her on a wheelchair out in the garden, and she would look at her flowers, and we'd remark about that. And uh, it was it was just a great month, so to speak, and just watching her slowly slip away. And that's exactly what happened. And then uh, mm-hmm. one day, well, she was she was taking her medicine at, at noontime, and uh, my, my my stepdaughter was there, and uh, she was holding her, and uh, Donna was holding Margaret, and Margaret just was gone, boom. But it was mm-hmm. a real pleasant way. It wasn't in the hospital. It wasn't. It's at home. She was comfortable at home. Uh, no matter what went on, we could take care of it. We learned how to take care of it medically. Uh, and um, I know people have asked me, well, what do you think people should do chemo and all this other stuff? I, I, I usually say to them, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a crazy engineer. But the way I see it is that, in fact, if you are in stage four or something like this, uh, uh pretty rare that you're going to survive it and you might as well stay more comfortable stay at home than not die in a hospital and I went interestingly enough my stepson was there in the hospital and then my stepdaughter when, when this discussion went on about going home and he when we made that decision to go home he looked at me and he says I don't think that's right I don't think that's good you won't be able to take care of her and these are all perceptions that people have mm-hmm. that hospitals could take care of you. Yes, they can take care of you medically. Yes, they can help you through the process. But they're still, they're still cold places. They are, they're, you know, people are coming and going, a lot of noises, a lot of sounds. It's not quiet, calm. And um, so anyway, we brought her home, and uh, that was it, as I say. It was the best month we ever had mm. out of the three. It's a good way to... to... For her to, to live on that note, I think, as opposed to, you know, being in the hospital yet or on chemo and, and so sick from that or whatever, um, I think that was a tremendous gift to um, for her before she yeah. left. I think you're right. I think yeah. it was a good gift for both of us, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was she was disappearing. She was losing weight. She um, literally was skin and bones there at the end. Uh and I kind of wished in some ways that she was already gone because it's terrible to watch all this. But sure. at the same time, the, the body has its own time frame in which it's going to leave us. So that's the way it is. Yeah. yeah, and it's always, I mean, this is, I don't know what your belief system is, but, but I like to look at it as the person who leaves is fine. Once they've left their physical body, they're they're not imprisoned by that anymore, and it's hard for everybody else who's left behind. Um, Bruce Lipton, I don't know if you know who he is. He's a scientist and a cellular biologist, and he also does some spiritual work and some some metaphysical stuff. Anyway, I was listening to him at a, a conference one time, and he said, you know, we're kind of like television sets. Television sets sometimes just quit. They die. But the broadcast goes on. That never yeah. dies. And I love that quote. I, I I think of that often when someone passes because they're free, you know. Yeah. And you know that. So you, know, you you brought up something that, that, that is really real, and that is, it's it's the people that are left, and they're, yeah. they worry more about what how they're going to be than they are worrying about the person passing away, and yeah. um, you kind of you, you get to a point that uh, uh, okay. It's a fact. It's real. It's it's what it is. And and one of the <laughs> interesting thing is people would come over to visit Margaret, and uh, I think you mentioned this earlier in your show that sometimes they don't they don't know what to say, and they talk mm-hmm. all about themselves. And uh, mm. it's it's their way of their way of getting through a a visit, so to speak. And that way, they sure. feel more comfortable in doing, it. and that's fine. That's okay. That's what the you know. None of this stuff. There's no equation, or there's no. How do I put this? Make some sense. There's no equation that this is the way you do everything. It doesn't work that right. way. It can be different for everyone. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point because it just it depends on lots of things, but it is different for everyone. 
Oh, yeah. So now your situation, Dee, I mean, what? who did you have for support? I mean, you know, who did you talk to? Was there somebody there for you? Because caregivers, as you point out in your book, um, need support too. Well, and that's a good point. And I think I think the key to, for me, at least, was to reach out to people, to reach out to anybody yeah. that would be willing to listen. Um, I was lucky also to have my stepdaughter here. Um, and, and a little bit of history on that is that well, she is she she teaches history at the University of Vermont, and so and I'm a history buff, so we could sit in the evenings while Margaret was sleeping to and talk about historical stuff, and it was uh-huh. it was it took our minds away from the issue that was going on, and right. and uh, give us an opportunity to <clears throat> talk about other stuff, so. And I think that's true. With with in, in my, my I was I went down my office. I was spending more time down there uh, when I could, and uh, being with people, talking with them about problems, issues, whatever, and and then and they reaching out to me. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and as I said earlier, it's it's okay to hug somebody. Well, you're not going to hug them all day long, but you're going to talk with them. <laughs> and I think uh, uh, you know you start. And people ask, well, how's Margaret? How's she doing? What's going on? What have you? And you'd be honest with them, what's happening. And uh, they, they they know that. They feel it. They they sense it. And there's a compassion. I think the 99.9% of the people in this world are compassionate. The rest, that one-tenth of a percent, are horrible. So, I, I, I mean, I, maybe I'm naive, but that's the way I see it. That's the way I, how, I, how I felt it. Yeah. Well, and, you know, one of the pieces is that, is that <clears throat> I was talking to one of my um, engineers who had lost his brother, and uh, I said, uh, he says, I said, I walked over to him, and I uh, said, why don't you stand up? I'd like to give you a hug. I don't, I don't hug anybody. I said, mm-hmm. you know what? You better start hugging because that's the way you survive this stuff. And he looked at me and he said, I don't hug people. And I said, well, okay, mm-hmm. to each your own, but do, you know... <laughs> Maybe that's not the way. Maybe you survive it. And he did, and he does okay. But, you know, everybody does this stuff and handles this thing differently. Yeah, but you're right. There is something about that that touch. There is something about human touch. I mean, whether it's, you know, there's all kinds of research on this, of course, like on, on babies, and they do better when they're touched, and animals who aren't touched or die, you know. But there's something about that touch. And, Hugging, I of course I'm a hugger too, so I would come from that oh. perspective. But but it, it, there is something about that connection, you know. It's adding the physical connection to the emotional connection that's already there. Yes, yes, very definitely, very definitely. Even a handshake, even a handshake, yeah. or or a pat on the back, okay. or, or or whatever. It doesn't have to. You know, you don't have. To. <laughs> You're not going to sleep with everybody. What you're going to do is just say, "Hey, <laughs> I, I like you." You know, yeah, uh, exactly. it's, uh, it, 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 I don't know if I have any more answers to uh, what I had to go through or what I felt and how I supported myself. I, I, <clears throat> I didn't eat right. I didn't. I started drinking too much. I did stuff that I was, and I, I said, "Okay, well, if this isn't right either, I can't do that." Mm-hmm. I wasn't sleeping. But anyway, you slowly but surely talk yourself back into where you're normal, even though the person's yeah. laying in the other room dying. Mm-hmm. You have to. You know, I noticed that in your book you mentioned the Curing Bridge, um, and I don't know how many people are familiar with it, but I know when we had we had that car accident in 2009, so six years ago, like the other couple of days ago was my six-year anniversary. But anyway, I was in a coma for a while and and had a bad brain injury, and my um, husband and my friend started a Curing Bridge for me while I was in the hospital, and, and luckily, I mean, we got my brain back, and everything turned out fine, but that was such a relief to my husband to not have to tell the story over and over again to everybody who asked, that, you know, you could post all the information there. Did you find uh, something, a similar experience, having that as a kind of a, even though it wasn't a person, that it was kind of a support to make things easier? Uh, you know, it's. <clears throat> I don't think there's any one one particular person or thing or thing that went on uh, that I could put my finger on as far as that was it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it was all kinds of stuff. Yeah. All kinds of things. All kinds of people. All kinds of. Uh, I don't know. Even though, for instance, we have a couple of cats. Well, we have more of them now, but we could have two, two cats. And watching them sit on the bed with Margaret, and watch, and they just sat there and watched her. Just, mm. just the comfort of that yeah, view, that, that picture, and yeah. her looking at those cats and stroking one of them. I mean, yeah. man, that, 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 that's, that's heavy. That's big. Yeah, so it's not, I mean, certainly, and you're absolutely right, it's not just people, it's 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 animals. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they give oh, yeah. such unconditional love, and and I'm sure that there was such a, a comfort. I know it would have been for me. I mean, we have a cat, yeah. too. Um, and it's just having that connection again. It's the, it's the connection that, that goes beyond words, that goes beyond, um, you know, the the niceties or or whatever it's, yeah. it's to me it's an energy thing. I agree. I agree. I um, it's it, it, as I said, there was, there was not one particular thing, but that's it. And I think people need to in this process need to find whatever it is. I don't care mm-hmm. if it's religion to to uh, uh, friends to whatever, being involved, being and reaching out. I think you have to reach out. If you don't, you're you're gonna, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have some issues over the time. And quite frankly, with myself personally, after about ten months, I woke up one morning. I got out of bed and I said, "Gee, there's something wrong. I don't I feel different. What's what's going on here?" And all of a sudden, I realized that the emptiness and the hurt was gone, just like that, mm. oh, just overnight. Yeah. And Interestingly enough, I uh, was over the years had been sitting next to this woman at, at these monthly water meetings in up here in Northern California. <clears throat> so a couple weeks later, I'm sitting next to her and I'm saying to myself, "I wonder if she'd go out to dinner with me." Mm-hmm. And she did, mm-hmm. and we ended up getting yeah. married two years later. Yeah. So you never know; you just never know on this stuff. And people have said to me, "Oh." That was too quick. You shouldn't have gotten married that quick. Oh. You should have. You should have. I said, well, who, who ever put together what time frame is for grieving? Right. And when I tell exactly. them this, they look at me like, what do you mean? What do you mean hurt and run away? And There's no way that could happen. Well, it did. Yeah. Well, and, and this is the way I think. It's the Bonnieism, so I'll just interject that. But who's to say that Margaret didn't send her? Yeah, yeah. For yeah, you, good point. so that you didn't have to be alone. You know? That's right. That's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah. So, you know, what? this kind of leads me to my next question, a little bit of what we were talking about just a couple of minutes ago. You know, you have all kinds of things, and you have that, that handout for people to share with them. Just, you know, if you want people who are listening today to, to leave, you know, to leave with nothing else, what message do you want them to, to leave with to remember from your experience with your journey and, and my friends? Well, there's a couple of things. Um, you're, number one, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You're not alone unless you want to make yourself alone, but you're not alone. There are people out there that are willing to help, number one. Number two, it's okay to cry. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to feel all those emotions that you're going through. It's okay. No one says it isn't. Uh, and I think the last piece of it is it does get better. You do get through it. You do pop out the other side of, of this whole process of, of grieving, and it is a process, total process. There are times when you just, there's no way you're going to get through it. There's no way you're going to live through this. You're not, you're, like I said to my partner, what do I do now? What do I do now? Mm-hmm. You know, what do I do now? Well, you just put one step foot in front of the other and you take that step. And you, you, whatever it is, whatever it takes. Um, and and people are willing to grieve with you. I've seen that happen. It's just unbelievable. Like I say, the woman walked up to me, she just gave me a hug and then walked out. That was mm-hmm. her way of doing it. So, yeah. It's not the end of the world, let's put it that way. 
And I know that sounds trite, and it's, uh, but it, it is. Uh, but does that mean you don't stop loving that individual that passed or, or or forget it? No way. No way. It becomes a bit of history in your life. That's it. It's mm-hmm. simple as that. And it's real. Yeah. That's a that's a really good point. I mean, life goes on, and you know, you know, in your case, it was Margaret. But you know, if if someone loses a loved one because they pass, transition out, that person and God and universe, whatever you believe in, doesn't want you to be unhappy. We're not no. meant to be miserable. We're meant to that's be right. happy and enjoy life that's right. the best we can. That's right. That's right. And you, you, that's exactly it. Exactly it. Yeah. No one, no, no one wishes that type of stuff on people. Mhm. Yeah. So you know, earlier in the show, the, we talked about hope and how important that was. Even even if you know, on one side, yeah, this isn't going to last. We're not going to be cured or whatever. But there's still that, that hope. Was yep. hope a part of your recovery? Through the, the grieving process as well. Yes, there's no question about mm-hmm. that, because you have to live your life, and you're still there, you're still around. Uh, and then the hope part of it is, you hope you get better, you hope that the pain mm-hmm. goes away, you hope the hurt goes away, you hope that something else will change everything else and make it all good, uh, and it does. But the hope is, is, as I say, it's it's a word I I handled, I carried with me for all along, even including working with, and including the process of, of Margaret dying, and always thinking, okay, so there's going to be something out there that I, that's going to give her get her through this. And of course, it never was, and never would have been. It still isn't. Uh, so the hope is is I think it's important. Oh, no matter what we do, of course, that's where I lead my life. I. Uh, Everything out there is a very positive, very uh, uh, world that I live in. And sometimes people call me naive, but I don't care. That's why I ask. Mm-hmm. I'm an optimist. So, yeah. Do you think, um, this is kind of an off-the-subject um, question, but do you think your experience, you know, going through... You know Margaret's cancer journey with her, which was ever so short, but um, tremendously traumatic. Do you think that experience has changed who you are? Are you a different person now? I think you change. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree. I, uh, I'm a different person. I think I'm calmer. I think I'm not as. Of course, I could be age too. You just. You're not striving for something that may may or may not be out there for you. Uh, you're just kind of taking each day as it comes. You're doing what you do, uh, if it's work or, or play or whatever it might be, your family. A lot closer to my family than I was probably. Um, my three daughters and, and seven grandchildren, um, they're all beautiful people. I, I, I enjoy listening to them talk about stuff. I don't try to impose my thinking on them. I just listen to them talk. Um, I think you change. I think you do. Yeah. Well, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. I mean, I think any experience that we have in life, whether it's good, bad, or or indifferent, we we're never exactly the same as we were before that experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I'm glad that you have found happiness in your life again, <laughs> and while still holding on to, obviously, your your memories and, and your love for, for Margaret, that's not to say you can't, you know, have a life of your own, so I'm very happy that you're in a, in a good place um, now, and and I know that it was, as, as it would for, be for anyone, a, yeah. a, a journey, you know. Yeah, yeah, so I'm glad yeah, that you yeah. come out the other side. Yeah, yeah. you do. And uh, no, it's, 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 we've been married now five years, and we're still getting along. So I guess it's okay. <laughs> so I guess it's the work, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, this is that part of the program. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
so I know people are going to I know people are going to want to get your book, especially after listening to the show today. So, what's the best way for them to either connect with you, get your book? Um, I've got the the websites and your website for your blog spot and your book on Amazon on our show page. But I want um, to hear from you. What's the best way people can reach out to you? Well, one of the things people can email me if they wish. Uh, my email address is rather simple. And you've been calling me Deet. Well, it's Deets, D-I-E-T-S, at C-S-W-S-T, and two, two like the number two, dot com. Okay. And that way they can contact me if they want to copy the book or want to talk further or whatever. Okay. Great. And... And your book is on on Amazon. I know I've seen it there, and so I put that yeah. link on our on our show page. And your um, free PDF, um, the thirteen tips or whatever it was called, thirteen tips for caregivers, is that still on your um, three months book blogspot blogspot com site? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think I checked it the other day before I put it on here, so that's there as well. So if anyone is interested in those things, or you can always, as as you mentioned, uh, reach out to him. And um, I want to thank you for taking your time. I know you're a really busy person with all of the stuff that you've well, got. Well, you know what? Work. Yes, you're right. I'm a busy person, but I enjoy totally enjoy my life and enjoy what I do. If people say you're not in a fruitcake, what you ought to do is retire. They're retired or what? I am retired. I'm retired and <laughs> doing what I want to do. What more right. I always tell people, I'm never going to retire. I'm just going to retool into something That's else. That's it. There you go. <laughs> right on. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show today. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I know our listeners did too. And I, I just want to you know, thank you again well, and let you know how much I appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you for having me, and uh, good luck in everything you do. Oh, thank you so much. And you have a great rest of your week, and uh, and may life be wonderful for you. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care, Deep. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. And I will be back next week, next Monday, with another great guest. Um, I am just so excited about the guests that we have for the Gift of Choice um, this year. And Deep Stroh was a fabulous, um, fabulous guest. We had a wonderful conversation. If you missed it, the archives will be there. You can listen to it again on either Blog Talk Radio or iTunes. And, of course, it will be on Speak Up Talk Radio as well, streaming for the next week. And, you know, you can find his book on Amazon or go to his website and get the caregiver tips. He gave you his contact information. And it's just been a great discussion about what it's really like to to go through caregiving for someone that you love with a terminal illness when terminal you know knowing that it's going to end and and what that was like and, and how to make it through and how important it is to take care of yourself as well which kind of fits into our self-empowerment piece um, and this month we're focusing on physical health and I know Deet mentioned a few times um, you know about eating and sleeping and moving and you have to keep doing all those things so I hope you get some valuable tips from today's show and um, we'll check out his book because it's a it's a really good read so I will see everyone next week next Monday at 2 p.m. Central with another great guest here on the Gift of Choice. I'm Bonnie Gressel, your host, and until then, You've been listening to the Gift of Choice, hosted by Bonnie Gressel. The Gift of Choice has been brought to you by MMB Global Solutions, your source for individualized coaching for entrepreneurs and authors, along with book editing and publishing services. For more information, go to mmbglobalsolutions.com. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully, it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.